Oh, he loves the fire then. What a goal! This is the halftime show with Umar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Uh, let's get ready to rumble! That's right, the halftime show with Omar Dury, and it is live. And boy, am I so happy to be back. It feels like it's been a long holiday uh, for everyone, and we haven't been in the studios. But we are back today, and plenty to talk about on the show. Some great things, including the Ballon d'Or. Now, Messi wins his sixth Ballon d'Or. Virgil van Dijk is 3% behind. Who is the best? And also, what is the Ballon d'Or? Ladies and gentlemen, this is your show. The Halftime Show is going to be live very soon. We're also talking about the UFC. Conor McGregor is back and fights in January. John Jones is back in Feb. Habib is back on the 18th. we got a lot of stuff, folks, to talk about on the only place to be at 3, the Halftime Show on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. Oh, he loves the fire then. What a goal. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse 95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. <laughs> It sure is that time. It's the Halftime Show with Omar Dury. I am your host covering everything sport, international, local. What a show we have in store for you today. Got to give a couple of cheeky shout outs as well to everyone who's tuning on the Instagram live and on Pulse95 Radio. It's um, Masoud is in the building. Masoud M- uh, M-U-F-C, the life of Tariq's in the building. Fatima al is in the UAE. That's right, that's my mother. She's in the UAE and she is tuned in, which is great because she's normally tuning from the UK. So thank you so much for tuning in. And all of our Pulse95 family all in the background who are here today, Sama, Omnia and RR doing their thing uh, behind the scenes. Thank you so much for tuning in. And guys, the topic of conversation right now, which everyone's talking about, is the Ballon d'Or. Now, Messi wins his sixth Ballon d'Or. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo did not show. Virgil van Dijk had a few words to say about Cristiano Ronaldo's absence, which was very, very interesting. But what is the Ballon d'Or? Let's strip it back a bit. Now, a lot of confusion has come out following Messi's sixth Ballon d'Or. Is it who is the best player on the planet or is it the best player of that year? Now, if we even go deep into it, Virgil van Dijk, had won the Champions League with Liverpool famously against Tottenham and actually knocked out Barcelona in that famous second leg victory which helped them uh, turn around one of the most remarkable comebacks in Champions League history. However, Lionel Messi is the best natural footballer on the planet and I say natural because he was gifted from a young age. He is the best footballer on the planet and he does win a sixth one. Now, if it's based on who the best player on the planet is, Messi wins that hands down. But if we look at how both players' seasons went, Virgil van Dijk had won the Champions League, came second against Manchester City, losing only one game, which you know how many clean sheets that would have cost. And also, not only that, but won uh, the UAE Nations League with Holland. So that was that. Messi won La Liga, um, which Barcelona obviously overcomes Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, but also 
reached the semi-final um, of the Copa America, which again was unfortunate, but with Lionel Messi's stature, you kind of expect him to, to win that. And there's been a lot of, let's say, question marks over Messi's international debut, um, or performance, sorry, rather than debut, from when he started back in the day to now, how he's been able to be successful with Barcelona and why and why not with Argentina despite the attacking talent they have so looking at it from now that's the only confusion some people probably were a bit skeptical about Messi winning the sixth Ballon d'Or I could understand that because it is player of the year and not best player on the planet and that was the only kind of discouraging thing with Cristiano Ronaldo not showing up there are a few things there that people didn't know about the Serie A uh, player of the year awards ironically was on the same day uh, which was ridiculous as the Ballon d'Or which is a big deal now I'm not saying obviously Cristiano Ronaldo would rather be at one or the other because obviously Ballon d'Or would stand out however the planning was all over the place because even Calgary and Sampdoria which finished 4-3 was also on the same night so I don't really understand how uh, you know the officials in, in Italy had planned that but it was definitely something where we looked at players like Sadio Mane, who had a great year. Trent Alexander-Arnold was fantastic. Virgil van Dijk was fantastic. Messi was obviously extraordinary and won it. But what are we looking at here? Are we looking at the best player on the planet? Because if so, the best player on the planet, folks, regardless of whether you're a Ronaldo fan or Messi fan, you know, it comes down to the award itself. And the award means who played the best that year. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit skeptical about it, especially that now, you know, people are just going to stop really watching because Messi is just on a different level, a different planet altogether. And I don't think a defender uh, will win it if it's based on that. Because let me flip this around. Actually, if Virgil Van Dijk played for Barcelona and if Lionel Messi played for Liverpool, would Liverpool win the Champions League, or would Barcelona win the Champions League? That's the first question. The second question is. Now, you look at what they missed out on. Barcelona had missed out on winning the Champions League. If they had Van Dijk, would they win the Champions League? That's a very, very good question. So if Barcelona had Virgil van Dijk, would they win the Champions League? Now, let me turn this around. If Liverpool had Messi, would they win the Premier League and beat City to it? There's another question. And that will only know if we actually put the stats together with so much things happening uh, in the world of football. Text us on 4215 do or slide into our DMs at Omar Alduri on Instagram or at Pulse95 Radio on Instagram. And let us know what you think. I want to hear what you think. Who deserved to win the Ballon d'Or? Shout out to Hannah, Marwa, everyone who's tuning on Instagram Live. Guys, this show would be nothing without you. A lot more coming up on the only place to be at 3, the halftime show on Pulse95. This is Pulse95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. Oh, he loves to fire that. What a goal. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Alduri on Pulse95. Nice strike. Oh, better than nice. Welcome back to the Halftime Show. Now, if you're just tuning in and want to catch up on any of our shows, you can catch us on Apple Podcast or SoundCloud. Just type in the Halftime Show 
and Omar Duri, and we are there. We talk about some fantastic topics with amazing guests, gut health, mental health, how to elevate performance and strength and conditioning, and what it's like to be in the locker room of a professional sports team. All this and more on only on the Halftime Show. We've got all these good things happening, and there's some great stuff. And talking about great stuff, the UFC is probably popping right now. I'll tell you why, because since the break, I've heard all these fights that have been scheduled for next year. Now, when we're speaking about fights, before we head to next year, you know that this weekend, Andy Ruiz um, and Anthony Joshua are going to have that rematch in Saudi Arabia. So that's the first part. we got to acknowledge that. Who is going to win that? Text us on 4215, or do or slide into our DMs at Omar Duri or at Pulse95 Radio and tell us, is it going to be Andy Ruiz for a second victory or was it a fluke and Anthony Joshua gets his focus back on and smashes Andy Ruiz in Saudi Arabia. There's been a lot of talk coming up to this uh, fight and now it's time to see whether it was a fluke or whether it was a skilled victory by Andy Ruiz. And talking about skilled victory, it's been a while since we heard the name Conor McGregor. And Conor McGregor is back in the UFC on January 18th. You heard it here, folks. January 18th, uh, Conor McGregor is back against Donald Cerrone and that will be his first fight in years since the Conor uh, McGregor and Habib Nurmagomedov fight that's going to happen now we're going to have that fight finally McGregor is back and I think judging on what division he's fighting I heard it's going to be the 170 which means he might have his eye on one of the fighters that is on absolute fire right now George Masvidal just dropping it out there guys it might be the case of what's happening now in the UFC Conor McGregor set his sights on bigger fish now and that's what's going to happen as a tune-up fight let's say but Donald Cerrone is no lightweight and that's what's going to be happening we've also got John Jones is fighting Reyes February the 8th which should be huge we haven't seen arguably the GOAT uh, back in action and now the greatest of all time is going to be fighting Reyes Israel Adesanya following his remarkable remarkable rise to the top uh, has been trolling uh, John Jones and saying that you know he's not on his level and that he will fight him when he's ready that's really interesting normally you want the big money fight that would definitely be a big money fight Israel Adesanya is a different a different style of fighter a very very mature fighter as well very intelligent and speaking about intelligent on April the 18th the UFC have announced that Tony Ferguson will fight Habib in a much anticipated fight Habib has been in a league of his own since his remarkable victories but now Tony Ferguson's unorthodox approach on fighting stylistically really adds something to this fight and coming up as well we've got I'm telling you the UFC is on fire right now we've got the much talked about Kamaro Usmanov against Kobe Covington wow that has been brewing for a while and for those that have actually tuned in uh, will know that this has been a blood fight for a very long time. The welterweight main event will be scheduled. And on the co-main event, Max Holloway against Alexander Volkanovsky will be also on there. Amanda Nunes, what a stacked fight against Jermaine Durandamy as well in the women's bantamweight title bout. Um, Amanda Nunes has got this kind of aura about her that she's untouchable at the moment. I wonder if we will see her challenged 
you know, in, um, in, in, in what may seem like a very much dominated division by her. She's, she's really come, come in her own league, you know, and now we're looking for someone to challenge her because she's, she's unbeatable at the moment. Um, someone who was unbeatable was Jose Aldo, uh, and he's fighting Marlon Moraes, which will be another fantastic fight. Um, that's so much to talk about in the UFC, guys. The UFC is on fire. In the next week, we've got Alistair Overeem fighting, and then we have, obviously, the card I just read to you now, Usman and uh, Covington, which will be big, and Max Holloway as well. So that's one thing, guys. But coming up next, we talk about the Arabian Gulf Cup, the Euro 2020, and we answer your questions and answers on the only place to be at three, the halftime show on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. Oh, he loves to fire that What a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! It sure is that time. It's the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. I'm your host, covering everything sport, international and local. And we are now, we've, so if you're just joining in, guys, we talked about UFC and the exciting things coming up. We spoke about the Ballon d'Or and whether Messi deserves to win his sixth Ballon d'Or. Uh, shout out to Anna Schofield, Big Hass and Mikhail Atiyah, who are all listening in onto the Halftime Show. And of course, those who are keeping me entertained on the Instagram at Omar Duri or Pulse95 Radio. Thank you guys for interacting and giving me some wicked points. And speaking about points, now we've reached the knockout stages of the Arabian Gulf Cup. And unfortunately, the UAE got knocked out by Qatar uh, and Saudi Arabia defeated Oman to progress into the next round. Now, the semi-finals are going to be Iraq versus Bahrain, which is tomorrow, and Saudi Arabia versus Qatar. Actually, for those that don't know, I'm actually half Iraqi, half Saudi, so I'm kind of split in between both, and I hope they reach the final. Who wins? You decide. <laughs> you tell me. Text us on 4215, hit the salat or do, or slide into the DMs at Omar Duri or Pulse95 Radio and tell me who's going to win the Arabian Gulf Cup between Iraq, Bahrain, Saudi, and Qatar. And we're looking at the score sheet right now. And the one thing I will say about the UAE is we do have the top scorer uh, with five goals. Ali Mabhut is scored uh, five goals in the uh, in the competition and is currently top scorer. So I hope he gets that. Um, and also in the assist charts, Nawaf Al Abid uh, with three assists uh, leads that. And now I'm, I'm actually thinking, guys, I don't know about you guys, but I am thinking that, you know, the Arabian Gulf Cup is really like the levels is really getting better now. You know, it's no longer being patronized or, you know, you say, yeah, we tried or we did well. The Arabian Gulf Cup and the Arabian Gulf teams are really, really developing. And that's also down to the coaching. It's down to the environment that they set themselves in, uh, the training camps and also the education that they are spending on their youth players, academy players from a very young age. And that's what I love seeing about this part of the world, um, achieving those kind of results. And it shows, you know, you can't get away with it at the top level. 
Uh, if you're playing a friendly, you might be able to get away with it. But when you get to the top level, that's when you start to see, you know, the rewards and the benefits. And I'm really, really happy that the Middle East uh, is, is really evolving um, as a region in terms of football and in terms of sport as well. Great to see big things happening on this side of the world. On the other side of the world now, folks, the Euro 2020 is out uh, in terms of fixtures. Massive things happening uh, in the standings. A certain Group F strikes to my mind. Now, for those that don't know, the European Championships are next year. And uh, that's something that you know I'm looking forward to. But I don't know if you noticed this, but Group F, uh, when pulling out the draw, had France, Germany and Portugal in one group. Oh, that's got fix written all over it. <laughs> no, no, I shouldn't be saying that. Um, but France, Germany, Portugal in one group, um, waiting for the player off, uh, the, the playoff winner um, to, to join them to make it four teams. But that was interesting. England have Czech Republic and Croatia. Shout out to Anna Schofield. England, I know she'll be following them. Um, and then who else did, who else really stood out? I mean, Italy had an interesting group because they had Switzerland, Turkey and Wales. And normally with Turkey, you don't really know what you're going to get in terms of they can produce some really, really good footballers. But I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. Switzerland, we know, uh, normally organized, compact and quite solid. Um, and Wales, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, I love watching Wales. I, li I like their spirit. And Gareth Bale will surely be pumped for that one. And that's the Euro 2020. Now, for those that don't know as well... On the Euro 2020, this is um, one of the first times, actually, that the venue is not one set venue. Now, if you're wondering where it's going to be played at, it's going to be played across Europe. So in Rome, uh, Baku, uh, St. Uh, Petersburg, Copenhagen, Amsterdam, Bucharest, London, Glasgow, Bilbao, Dublin, Munich and Budapest. Yes, that's right, folks. You heard it. It's going to be played across all these venues. So if you are in, um, in, in those cities, you have to go and check out the games. For me, if you're in Munich, you're going to get spoiled because on the 16th of June, France will play Germany. Um, and on the 20th of June, Portugal will play Germany. So that, that gives you an indication of what's happening uh, in Munich. And I, and I really, really like the idea of what's going on there. If we look at uh, Bilbao, the standout fixture is Spain and Sweden. If we look at um, London, yes, London. And for that, little round of applause, just because, you know, we're biased here. And we can be biased. And talking about bias, shout out to Inji, uh, who's logged on on the Instagram Live. In London, we're going to see England versus Croatia, which should be a very, very good game on the 14th of June. Um, a lot of things have been happening behind the scenes with these football clubs, especially as the nations evolve. And if you know, when it comes to a dressing room and trying to keep all these players happy, it's very, very challenging. And that's something that um, I really like about studying the way these teams work. Um, but guys, as I'm telling you all this, who do you think is going to win the Euro 2020? Text us on 4215, it's a or do, or slide into the DMs at Omar Duri or Pulse95 Radio and tell me who's going to win the Euro 2020. Coming up next, guys, we answer your questions and we tell you what's coming up on the Halftime Show this week on the only place to be at three, the Halftime Show on Pulse95. This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show Podcast. 
Oh, he loves the fire then. What a goal! This is the halftime show with Umar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Wonderful. Welcome back to the halftime show. Plenty of stuff we've got through to today. I feel like this show has flown by. How do you guys feel? Thank you for everyone who's uh, who's tuned in, including, I think she's six months. She's a six-month-year-old baby called Grace. <laughs> so shout out to uh, to uh, Inji for the uh, for making her daughter listen to the halftime show. Love that. Uh, Masoud, Mufid, Miffy, Fatima Alduri. Man, you guys have been awesome. Thank you so much. I've had a couple of questions already on uh, in the break, actually, on the Instagram Live. And one of them was, Omar, what do you think about the tennis? Uh, and judging that it's coming from Miffy, I believe she's referring to a certain Aussie legend right now. And it's been a year of... Um, been a year of excitement for Ashley Barty. Uh, the Aussie captured her maiden Grand Slam in Paris, and she didn't even stop there. She would follow up in the title in Birmingham to grab hold of the number one spot for the first time. And that's incredible to see. You know, her rise as well has been amazing, and also the psychology and staying on top of her game, irrespective of all the distractions in the division. Uh, she was also honored Australia's most outstanding tennis player beating out candidates like Dylan Alcott, Alex de Manur, uh, John Millman, and Adjla Tom Lajanovic, if I can say that properly. You don't want to say that twice. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's Barty's amazing, uh, amazing rise to fame. Um, shout out to Hannah Sultan as well, who is uh, tuning in and saying she's liking the hat. And Debo from the US as well for tuning in. I've also had a question saying... Um, Actually, I asked the question before, and this person's re-asked the question, um, who do I think is going to win the Euro 2020? Uh, Masoud says Belgium, Mufid says England. Um, I actually, you know what? You won't believe this, but, and it's not because I'm biased, well I am. Uh, England are actually the favourites when it comes to the odds to take the tournament. Belgium's team uh, are unbelievable, very unlucky not to reach the final of the World Cup. Uh, I wouldn't discount France either. They just seem to have that um, extra bit more when it comes to the championships. I think it's the experience and I think it's also the coach who's had a few tournaments now who's really, really done well. Um, that's something that's been crazy in the world of football right now to actually keep a manager for that long. Now, for those that don't know, the the lifespan of a coach, irrespective of whatever sport it is, whether it's football, rugby, tennis, uh, cricket, it's kind of very hard to sustain a coach, not just because the industry is cutthroat, but also because the players seem to get bored of the same kind of conversation, the same kind of techniques, routines. And you get, you start to see a lot of teams changing their managers every two to three years. Um, we've seen it in rugby. We've seen it in football. Uh, we've seen it in cricket. Now, with mixed martial arts, it's slightly different for those that you know are, are tuning in because you, you have a loyalty. You spend every day with them uh, training, getting ready, cutting weight, uh, you know, and, and that's something that in the coaching world is very, very hard to find. Loyalty in sport, and that's why sometimes, you know, when I hear people talking about players and all sorts of stuff, they say, how can you not stay with that same team? It's not about staying with the same team, but the question is, there are several factors behind the scenes that we kind of miss, and that's why, um, is there loyalty in sport anymore? I'm not really sure. Uh, coaches, players, even fans. Now more than ever, fans have a say and a very powerful say on the direction of 
a sport. You see fans getting their manager sacked, you know, Arsenal. <laughs> That's one thing. But you also see fans getting their manager sacked because they're not happy. They don't show up to games anymore, which means there's empty seats, which means there's less money. The power for fans nowadays is huge in sport and they have a big say. You know, and that's something that you have to also bear in mind that we're in a world now where social media, technology, fan power is on the highest of high when it comes to the scale. And that's exactly what's going on, you know, um, in the world of sport. But guys, I can't believe it. But you know what? It's full time on the halftime show and it has flown by. Um, remember, you can catch us every Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, three to four on the halftime show. And I'm going to leave you with a tune called Salaamu Alaikum. Yeah, Let's yo, go. Yo. Have a great Say day, folks. Peace. This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every Monday, Wednesday and Saturday from 3 p.m.